hopefully the stories of others will, will give you a bit of um, space and a bit of inspiration to maybe open yourself up to, to yeah, maybe allowing the Holy Spirit to remind you of some things that God has done in your life. Um, our goal is not just that we celebrate with one another, but also that, that you can slow down enough this evening to identify areas in your life where you can express gratitude to God. I think one of the greatest uh, enemies of gratitude is hurry. It's, it's rush. Um, I don't believe that you can experience gratitude on a deep level while, while living at a superficial level. So, so if we're going to really uh, slow down enough to actually recognize some of the things that God's done in our lives, and sometimes it takes us really slowing down to where some of the noise around us has to settle so that we can actually, actually just slow down the, the, the busyness in our minds to, to see, wait, God has actually been really, really faithful for a really, really long time. Or God has been relentless in his kindness or his forgiveness or his pursuit. Um, I'm very mindful that, that just because of the world we live in, many people would be here this evening where there are challenges that you're facing as well. Um, but the reality is we don't need a lot of discipline to give attention to our challenges. That just happens automatically. I think it takes a lot of discipline for us to actually stop and think about those things that we can be grateful for and those things that we can thank God for. So in case you're wondering, I do have a scripture. Psalm 103 from verse 1 onwards, it says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And then I love this. May I never forget the good things he does for me. May I never forget the good things he does for me. That's, that's our goal for this evening, that you would remember some of the good things that he's done for you. And even if you don't feel like you have this long shopping list or this long Christmas wish list of things that God's done for you just recently, take a look at some of the things that I guarantee you he has done or makes available for every single person. Verse three says, he forgives all my sins. Like let's, let's not forget the good things he's done. He forgives our sins. He makes forgiveness available and heals all my diseases. And I don't think that that's just physical diseases. I think it's every dis-ease. God makes available to us healing and wholeness for every dis-ease that we face. When we're facing stress, anxiety, worry, uh, when we're hurting, God wants to offer us healing and wholeness. And verse four says, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Guys, just that alone is good reason for us to actually pause and thank God. One of the reasons that I think this is so important, one of the reasons why gratitude is such a, a key theme of the Bible and why I think it should be such an important practice of our lives. So it shouldn't be something that you just stumble on. Like we don't stumble into gratitude. You have to practice a mindset, a, an awareness of gratitude, an awareness of thanksgiving, is that I think that it helps us to actually experience the joy, which is peace and contentment, that God has actually destined for us to experience this side of eternity. So this side of eternity, life's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be trouble-free. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be calamities. There's going to be grief. There's going to be death. There's, there's going to be... Um, yeah, everything is, 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 is kind of unraveling Everything that lives is busy unraveling slowly but surely. Only in heaven one day will everything be perfect. So how do we experience this joy and peace and contentment in the midst of just reality where our joy is not based on 
happenings. So, 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 to be, so when we talk about happiness, we're talking about something based on happenings, right? Based on circumstances. But God says, no, no, it's possible for you to actually experience a joy, a peace, a contentment that goes beyond circumstances. Someone who is very familiar <laughs> with challenges, with beatings, with being falsely imprisoned, with being shipwrecked, with being left for dead, etc., was an early church leader called Paul, one of the apostles, and he wrote quite a large portion of the New Testament. In the book of Philippians, he's writing this from jail, right? In chapter 4, verse 4, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, if you kind of knew his circumstances, right about now, you'd be wondering if he's smoking some of the good stuff, okay? Because, Because his circumstances don't look like they should be the circumstances that should give you happiness. But then in verse 11, he kind of unpacks it a little bit more where he says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now, I want to be clear. He's not talking about complacency. There's a difference between complacency and contentment. Complacency is when we give up, when we have no drive, when we're not willing to do what we can do and where we're lazy, where, where, where we lack um, yeah, just, just good stewardship and diligence. Contentment, however, is where we're doing everything we can So we're taking responsibility for everything that's within our control, but we're also able to recognize and submit to the limits of our lives, the the appropriate limits, not false limits, appropriate limits, and say, God, I can trust you for those things that are out of my control. Right? Does this make sense? So contentment is different to complacency. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then verse 13, quite a well-known verse, he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, the point I want to make here is that, is that Paul isn't the caricature of Christian leadership that some, of, that some people might have. We maybe look at certain people that make the news and like... He's not, he's, his battle in life is not choosing between which jet to fly on or which luxury vehicle to use today or whether to have this steak or that, you know, grilled chicken. That's not his dilemma. He, Paul is often facing life where, okay, if I'm going to serve God, I'm probably going to get beaten up and left, you know, in prison bleeding. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, well, they might kill me. Well, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or, or Paul, Paul from time to time actually got to enjoy some blessings. And, and he might be able to be secure and enjoy that because he can do all things to Christ who gives him strength, even if other people around him are judging him. Does this make sense? I'm saying that because some people can almost make out martyrdom, like self-inflicted martyrdom, to be the new Christianity of the 21st century, when sometimes God actually wants to bless you. But it's, it's being able to discern and say, God, whatever you give me, I can hold on to it loosely. In, in other words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So if God's going to entrust me with plenty, I can do all things through Christ. Gives me if, he's going to, if he's going to entrust me with very little and, 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 and test my, my heart in that, I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. And then he explains in the verses in between that how, how he can be filled with joy, how he can do all things through Christ. It gives him strength and experience that level of contentment. And he starts it off in verse 6 where he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I want you to take note of that word pray. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Okay, so we're allowed to be honest with God about, about what you would like or what you need, but, but it is in the context of surrendering to God. 
So, so he's saying, don't. So again, Paul's writing from prison saying, guys, 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 don't panic. Don't freak out. Pray about what you need. Ask God. Tell God what you do need. But he takes it to another step saying, but thank God for what he has done. That's what we're going to do this evening. We're not going to deny what you might need God to do for you, but I'd like you to give the extra emphasis, the extra attention to what God has done. Because when we remember what God has done, it is so much easier for us to trust God for what we need Him to do going forward. And that's when we experience joy, etc. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are days where I need the supernatural peace of God to guard my heart and to guard my mind when I don't know exactly how everything's going to work out, when I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds it, right? And so, and so even though the circumstances don't make sense and the circumstances look intimidating and unsettling, no, no, God, if I'm following you, I can have peace that passes understanding. He goes on in verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. By the way, when you're taking strain, when you, when you are feeling discouraged or disappointed or yeah, just, just even grieving, make sure that you guard your mind, guard what you are focusing, what you're fixing your thoughts on. When you hang around the wrong people and they feed the wrong side of you, it can take you down. It doesn't matter how much you're praising or praying. If you're feeding your mind on junk, if you're, if you're only reading a bad report, if you're only reading the stuff that's telling you that the country's going to pot and that all politicians are corrupt and that, and that South Africa's going to the dogs, well, if that's, if that's what you're going to read, well, that's what you're going to feed and that's what's going to grow. And No, no, we need to not only pray and praise, we need to also practice what we think about. So verse 9 says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. What I want to encourage you with this evening, as, as we're watching some of these stories, and, and, as, and as hopefully you're giving God just some space to, to make you aware of some things that you can write down, and you're not going to give this to anybody, you're not passing an exam, we're not checking anything, I just want to encourage you you're here anyway. So unless you're willing to be impolite and walk out, you're gonna be here for the next little bit. So why not use this gap to actually just, just, just jot down a few things, maybe as God brings some things to your memory, because I wanna encourage you that the keys to joy are prayer, it's praise, and it's patterns. It's, it's, it is committing to the patterns, to the habits that are going to help us to actually nurture that peace and that contentment and that joy. It doesn't matter how badly you want to be an Olympic athlete or how badly you want to finish a marathon. Your patterns, your patterns are going to determine whether or not you're likely to be able to do that, right? It doesn't matter how badly you want a good marriage. The patterns that you commit to or how badly you want to finish matric or get a great education after school, it doesn't matter how badly you want it or how much you talk about it or how much you even pray about it if you're not going to, Commit to the patterns that are going to help you to grow in those areas. And I'm going to get you to think for just a few seconds, because in a moment I want to ask you just to give God some praise 
for anything that you feel he's done in your life. And if you don't feel like he's done anything in your life, then we can praise God for what he's done in, in the people's lives that we've just, uh, where we've just watched some of these stories. So can I get you just to praise God, just to give God some praise and some thanks for his kindness, for his goodness. I think, I think it's so easy to take some of these things for granted. Um, it's so easy to think, well, we're lucky or we're unlucky. We're blessed or we're not so blessed. Um, or, wow, they're fortunate or we're unfortunate. And, and sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. But guys, I'm telling you, when we stop and give some, some honest, slowed down thought to God's activity in our lives, I, I would almost go so far as to guarantee you that you'll be surprised, but in a good way. Um, I think if we'll just slow down enough I'm saying if I was the enemy, one of my biggest goals would just be to keep you so busy that you just keep planing the surface. You just, you just keep, keep skimming so that you can't actually slow down to see God's faithfulness and goodness. Um, and so that we keep, on, we keep on kind of resisting, resisting that faith. I don't know if you noticed, but some of the common threads for me throughout the testimonies um, was that everyone was on a journey. So don't be discouraged when everything doesn't change in one day. Everyone was on a journey. Um, by the way, it wasn't made clear in the video, but when Bev, um, in the state that she was in when she first came to church, and a few of us remember <laughs> you, Bev, when you first came to church, I think uh, one or two people were a little bit uncertain of what to do, and she said, I'm a pagan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know why she was here. Um, and we saw such a radical change so quickly. But, um, but she, she prayed that prayer uh, to God, if you're real, like I need accommodation, by that Friday, hey, Bev, by the following Friday, so five days later, God had opened up um, space for accommodation. Um, and so there, there are people that have these, you know, these kind of immediate, radical, tangible um, situations. But, but even then, it's been such a journey. It's been continuing to come. It's been continuing to surround uh, themselves with the right people. It's been going through freedom, and in some cases, doing freedom a, a second time, or getting into a life group, etc. So, so for me, journey is one of the big themes. Secondly, is people. I don't know if you notice how often people commented on people. So, so, and I'm so proud of the people. I'm so proud of our welcome teams, those in the traffic, uh, Ryan and, and others that have played a role. Sorry, Clanty, they didn't get a mention, but, 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 but we know, we, we know, <coughs> we know the truth. Um, I love it that Jody invited, uh, hey, to come, to come to, to the, to, to, ch- guys, I just, I love it. I love, I love some of the stories. So, so there's this process, you know, it's a journey, there's people. Um, and I think hopefully you would have also noticed a number of times people mention freedom and not because we're trying to plug, like we get nothing out of it. It's, we only want something for you. So in the new year, I want to encourage you to sign up for that. Um, please, will you take a seat for like maybe three more minutes, just three more minutes. I just know if you carry on standing, you might start falling over. So, so, so just, just hang in there. But, but I do think that, that um, this I am statement that I want to just quickly share with you is relevant to what we're taking a look at today. Um, I love where Lucas uh, gave the indication that uh, his friend, you know, told him, you're looking at all the wrong places, you need to, you know, look up. Um, there is only one way. And so we see this in John chapter 14, where Jesus, uh, well, let's read from verse 4. It'll be up on the screen behind me. Jesus, Jesus has just explained to his disciples, by the way, these are some of his last moments before he's arrested and crucified. So he knows what he's about to experience. So you can imagine that he's been quite choosy with his words and choosy with what he's talking about. And so he's trying to encourage them. A few verses before there, he says, guys, you're going to have troubles in this life, but, but, but like, don't be dismayed. It's okay. Um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would have told you. Um, 
And then he goes on in verse four to say, and you know the way to where I am going. And I love that Thomas is honest enough to represent a lot of us where he says in verse five, no, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And then here's the powerful statement Jesus makes in verse six. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I want to, I want to just explain this in two, in two forms. First of all, theologically, Jesus is saying, I am the only way. In other words, all roads don't lead to Rome. All faiths don't go to the same place. If that were the case, if good intentions were good enough, then Jesus would not have had to die at the cross. And I understand how offensive that sounds. I understand how arrogant that sounds. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I don't think God means it arrogantly. I think God's saying, I love you so much that I did everything I possibly could to make a way for you to be reconciled to this relationship with me, even so far as my son being willing to take on your sin and die in your place. It's not about arrogance. It's about love. He is the only way. If, if, if there are many ways, well, then Jesus didn't need to die. So I'm just saying, theologically, when he says, I am the way, he's not being arrogant. He's making a very clear, bold statement that the only way to eternal life and reconciliation with the Father is if we place our faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. He is the truth. So, so sometimes we want to understand everything and we want knowledge, but I'm telling you, when we have Jesus, we have the truth. He, he, Jesus is the truth. And to know Jesus is to know life. But, but even philosophically, I want to encourage you that Jesus is the way. To know Jesus is to know the way for your life. In the 21st century, um, when we want to get somewhere, we want Google Maps, right? I know some of us can't even remember a time before Google Maps. It wasn't that long ago, okay? But, but you know, we, we're so dependent on Google Maps. And so it's hard for us not to have the full map. I think that Jesus is saying, you won't get to have Google Maps, but you'll get a guide. And when we know Jesus, we have our guide. What I mean by that is sometimes I'll sit down and I want more knowledge, I want more insight, I want more understanding, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's good. That's okay. But, that, but that's not the central goal. The central goal, the first and foremost goal is to know Jesus. If I know Jesus, He will lead the way. Does that make sense? It's such a fundamental shift. You see, sometimes, sometimes, and again, even as Lucas was sharing, you know, you want to know more about your identity. You want to know more about um, who you were made to be and your purpose. And, and I think that those are all important things that God will help us find, but it's all done through the way, through the truth, through the life. So God doesn't give us all that information beforehand. No, no, it's, it's as we grow in our relationship with Jesus that we come to the way, the truth, and the life. I hope that makes sense to you. If you haven't already, then I want to encourage you to take a look at your Thanksgiving sheet. And we're going to give you just a few moments to maybe just just to just to reflect for a few moments longer while the music plays for about 30 seconds. And maybe just ask, oh God, is there anything that maybe I've been blind to? Please would you open my eyes? Help me to see where maybe you have been the way and, and you've been leading me and, and I haven't actually even noticed it. I haven't been aware of it. God, forgive me for, for, for being blind. Help me to see 
your goodness, your faithfulness, your kindness, your relentless, resilient love. God, thank you for forgiveness. I mean, I know we know this, but maybe for some of us sitting here this evening, maybe that's a real thing where you're like, God, like, wow, I really can't get my head around the fact that you've forgiven all of my sins before I even asked for forgiveness. Or maybe you're experiencing that peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make sense. You don't have all the answers, but you know that God is in this and he's gonna lead you and guide you.